Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We're so glad that you chose to join us today, and once again, welcome. Today what we're doing is we're actually beginning a new shorter series, which is actually going to be entitled Sovereign. And we're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God over the next two weeks, both in the public affairs of humanity, as well as in our private affairs, meaning our personal lives. We're going to start this week by talking about God's sovereignty in the public sphere. And we're going to do so for obvious reasons. We're at the end of our election season, and as things are wrapping up, people are um, on two sides of the tracks, uh, per se, in terms of their responses to the uh, uh, projected results. Some people are dancing in the streets, and other people are um, um, forlorn in their uh, um, in their homes and trying to figure out what next steps to take. Well, the good news is, is that the Word of God actually shows us how to continually look to God and honor God no matter where we find ourselves. God Almighty is the sovereign one, which when we're talking about sovereignty, we're talking about the fact that God is the ruler over all and that he's also the one who is able to direct the affairs of humanity. And so to that end, we're going to focus on this statement today, that God's sovereignty in our public affairs gives us reason to continually trust in Christ. God's sovereignty in humanity's public affairs gives us reason to continually trust in Christ. We're going to break this message down into three parts. We're going to talk first about the truth that we need to embrace about God's sovereignty in public affairs. Secondly, we're going to talk about the test of where our deepest hopes lie. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about the trust in God's sovereignty and eternal plan that we need to develop and also how we do so. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today and we thank you for your sovereignty, that regardless of what we see in our times and in the seasons in which we find ourselves, that God, you remain on your throne. God, we're praying that you would help us to develop the trust in that truth and live out of that place by your word in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So let's start by talking about the truth that we need to embrace. And it's really this, that we need to embrace the truth that even as we do our part, God's, God is sovereign in the public affairs of humanity. That even as we do our part, God is sovereign in the public uh, spheres of humanity. Now, this is an important truth to embrace because of the fact that this entire election season has all been about everyone expressing their voice, right? And so we had a record turnout of people who were trying to express for themselves the direction that they thought our country should go. Now, in the midst of that, though, we need to have a an understanding of God's place in all of this and sound theology when we're talking about and when we're talking about sound theology sound we're talking about healthy and theology we're talking about the knowledge of God or the study of God sound theology helps us to understand the truth that no matter what we do and the role that we play God is still sovereign in the public sphere 
Now, why do we say that? We say that because we can see that in the book of Daniel, there was um, a clear declaration of God's sovereignty, despite what was going on in the public sphere around an Israeli prophet named Daniel. Now, Daniel, at the time of the uh, book's writing, was in exile in the Babylonian kingdom. He, along with Israel, his Israeli compatriots, had been disciplined by God because of the nation's sin and taken from their homeland of modern-day Israel into the empire, the capital city of Babylon, and there were being educated and being shaped according to the customs, the culture, and the teaching of the Babylonian empire at that time. The Babylonian Empire was being ruled by a king named Nebuchadnezzar, who neither feared nor knew God at the time of Daniel's writing at the beginning of uh, the book of Daniel. Um, but he was one who was really trying to keep his empire unified. He was keeping them unified in such a way that he was allowing the nations that he had conquered to bring the gods that they worshiped and served with them and gave them the ability to worship and serve them as long as they ultimately gave their ultimate allegiance to him as the king. And so we see that that came into direct conflict with Daniel and his Israeli compatriots who were being faithful to the one true God of Israel whenever they knew that even though they were going to um, uh, be good citizens per se within the Babylonian nation, their ultimate allegiance was to the one true sovereign God. And God was not just um, content with making himself known to his people Israel, who were exiles in Babylon, he was also intent on making himself known to Nebuchadnezzar and the people of the Babylonian Empire. And so we see that God was sending Nebuchadnezzar dreams. And in the midst of those dreams that God was sending Nebuchadnezzar to make himself known to him, none of Nebuchadnezzar's wise men were able to interpret the truth of those dreams except Daniel, who knew the one true God of Israel. And so we pick up in uh, Daniel chapter 2 when it says this, that in verse 19, then the mystery, meaning the mystery of the dreams that God was sending Nebuchadnezzar to make himself known. It says, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. So we here, we see that Daniel was able to be placed in a specific position by God to declare a truth, an eternal truth of God's sovereignty, even in the public affairs of men, to Nebuchadnezzar, who at the time didn't acknowledge him. 
And it's a word that needs to be embraced by us on the heels of an election season to understand that God is in control of the public affairs of men. We do our parts, but ultimately God is the one who controls the outcomes. God says very clearly through Daniel that he is the one who changes times and seasons. And even in the American electoral process, obviously, every four to eight years, there's a new president, right? Every two years, you're voting for the uh, Senate and the Congress. What you're doing is you're participating in the changing of times and seasons. But ultimately, God is saying that it is in my hand that the results lay. And they lay in my hands because I'm sovereign overall. And ultimately, those who are placed, whether they be kings who are removed or kings that are set up or in whatever seems to be the uh, result of this present election, kings and queens that are set up, what happens is, is that God places them there for a period, for a season in time to do his will. But what that does not mean is that you are always going to agree with the people that he puts in place. By no means did Daniel agree with Nebuchadnezzar in the way that he ruled or the way that he did things. He served the God of heaven and earth. Daniel did. And in no way did he ascribe to the type of worship that Nebuchadnezzar did. Daniel was faithful to the word of God and did things according to the way that God said to do him. And he actually received some persecution for that over the course of his time in Babylon. However, God delivered him continually in the midst of it. And what we see is that in our time, you are not always going to agree with those God, by his sovereignty in the public sphere, appoints as a king or a queen or puts in place. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. I know for the past several years, there are plenty of even people who called themselves Christians who didn't agree with the the uh, administration of the past several years. There are several people who don't agree with what's going to be going forward as an administration in the next several years. God never asked us whether we agree or not. He says, will you acknowledge my sovereignty? Why? Because he's the one who changes times and seasons and actually appoints kings and queens in his in their place to actually do his will. Now, if that's the truth that we need to embrace, what is the responsibility of the church? What is the responsibility of the people of God in the midst of God's sovereignty in the public sphere? Well, according to Daniel, he says that God has given people wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. That God says, just as he appointed Daniel to interpret the dreams that God was giving Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar might come to know him. So regardless of who he appoints, God wants his people to walk in that type of gifting place and authority. 
that God says, I will put you in a place regardless of who by my sovereignty I appoint, I have still charged my people to be those who declare my wisdom, my knowledge, my understanding, so that as you see in the book of Daniel, which is progressing to Nebuchadnezzar coming to the knowledge and submission of the one true God, so in our times, we might be of service to whoever God appoints so that they too, like Nebuchadnezzar, might come to the knowledge of the one true God. And it's not just people that he appoints as a ruler per se in a presidency or a vice presidency in Congress or in the Senate, in uh, the uh, judiciary or otherwise. It's also our neighbors, people who are around us, people who don't yet know God. God says, by my sovereignty, if I've appointed the times and the places that you should live, that people might perhaps reach out and find me, though I'm not far from any one of them. I'm giving you as the people of God, wisdom and knowledge and understanding to declare to them that they might come into the knowledge of God. Now it's a test though. It's a test to our hearts whenever God expresses his sovereignty in the public sphere, because we need to know that the result in the public sphere tests our hearts in regards to whether we trust that sovereignty or not. Proverbs 12, I'm sorry, 13 verse 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And when God is expressing his sovereignty in the public sphere by changing times and seasons, by removing and upholding or appointing kings and queens and putting them in place, what is coming out of our hearts as a response? Well, it's going to be one of two things. Either it's going to be a sickened heart because our hope has been deferred, or it's going to be great elation and rejoicing because we feel like we're eating from a tree of life. But ultimately, our response shows us where and in whom our hopes have been placed. And in this election season, my continual appeal to people is that we put our trust and our ultimate hope in not those who are appointed, but the one who appoints. Because as Daniel said, God can lift up and tear down in a moment. It's what he did with Nebuchadnezzar as you continue to read. God literally humbled him so that he might acknowledge him in the proper fashion. And at the same time, he was using Nebuchadnezzar's rule to discipline his people that they might come to repentance and faith and actually serve him accordingly. Let me tell you this. If you think that it's only somebody who upholds the values of this Bible that will allow the kingdom of God to go forward, you are in biblical error. What we know is that throughout history, the kingdom of God has mightily advanced, not necessarily in times of comfort for the people of God, but actually in times of persecution. The question though is, are you in as a Christian, am I as a Christian ready to be in uncomfortable times so that the authenticity of our faith, the authenticity of our biblical convictions might actually be verified and we might actually by those convictions 
advance the kingdom accordingly. You see, for the past several years, we, 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 we know for the past several decades, I would even say the church in the West has almost been described as a cruise ship. That if something's going to be successful in the church, people have to come and um, they're looking just like a target for all the bells and all the whistles. What can I enjoy for my family? What can I enjoy for my children? How can I enjoy the worship? How can I enjoy the preaching? Come and tickle my fancy by all of the um, you know entertainment that I get almost from a uh, church community. And that's like a cruise ship. But in this time, especially during the, not just the election, but the time of the pandemic, what people feel like is that they're, the, the church of Jesus Christ is being changed from a cruise ship to a battleship. Meaning knowing that, wait a minute, we're not just here to have our uh, fancies tickled, but instead we're here to be made disciples loving Jesus, learning how to worship him, learning how to bear our cross, learning how to devote ourselves, regardless of what's going on in the public sphere, regardless of the comforts I'm able to enjoy in my everyday life, I'm going to still be about Jesus the King and his mission. And when we embrace the sovereignty of God in the public sphere, it doesn't matter who's in office, who's been appointed, whether previously or now, we are being formed and fashioned to love and worship the king. And we need to have a sound reaction when our hearts are tested. If you're rejoicing during this time, you need to do what a uh, famed basketball coach said when he said, listen, to all of his players, you play to win, but in winning, in victory, show humility. And in defeat, be gracious. But either way, right, what the coach was saying is reflect Christ. Reflect the attitude in the heart of Christ. So on the heels of this election season, if you feel like the, the party that you were going for has won and you're eating from the tree of life right now, listen, great, but listen, express humility towards others around you who may not have agreed with you. If you feel like maybe you've been riding high for the past several years, but now you're in the throes of challenge and defeat, be gracious. Be gracious and be like Daniel, who in the midst of an environment that did not agree with him, still was intent on uh, reflecting the knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom of God that God's um, that God's knowledge might be revealed to the people of Babylon. See, it doesn't matter who's in office. It doesn't matter who God lifts up or tears down. It doesn't matter what season He changes. God remains the same, and the testing of our hearts shows in whom or in what we've been putting our ultimate hope. You see, ultimately, we all want to be eating from that tree of life when our desires are fulfilled. And there have been a lot of good desires on both sides, right? On both sides, people are trying to do some good things. There's no perfect political party. We all know that. And we all know that every side is trying to do some good in the world, right? Some are more focused on economic prosperity. Some are more focused on getting rid of the pandemic. Some are more focused on... Um, um, ethnic justice, some are more focused on uh, or, or really taking care of the poor and having good international relations and um, caring for the uh, foreigner and the alien. Let me, let me tell you, whatever it might be, somebody 
in every party is trying to do some good, right? And every one of us are putting our hope in somebody or something to bring about this utopic society, this tree of life that we can all eat from and finally enjoy all the good that we were intended for. But the truth of the matter is, is that that on this side of eternity will not happen because we're in a fallen state being led by sinful men and women who are appointed for a season to do God's will. And ultimately, God's will is that people would turn from sin, from death to life, come back into relationship with him, and then out of that proper relationship with him through his son Jesus and the sacrifice that he provided for them on the cross, they would be made new, not externally, but from the inside out to live in such a place where they love him and love their neighbor as God intended. And everything that God does in the changing of seasons and the appointing of um rulers and authority for periods of time is unto that end that we might come back to the greatest commandment to love God with all of our heart mind soul and strength and the second is like it to love our neighbor as ourselves turning away from sin turning to the cross and being free by the living God and the truth of the matter is is that the the, the expression of God's sovereignty in the public sphere brings that to light and brings that to bear because ultimately it pushes us to the understanding where our ultimate hopes lie. And in this place, we want to remember what a woman named Ruth Chow Simon said. She said, stability, predictability, and manageability were never meant to be security for us. We were made to hide ourselves in him, meaning in Jesus. And that's exactly what prior even to Jesus' arrival, Daniel understood. He was hiding himself in the God of heaven and earth, in the midst of the Babylonian empire, and out of that place speaking on behalf of God to the benefit of the Babylonian empire, to the benefit of his several uh, uh, fellow Israelites with the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of God, despite who God had appointed for that time. That's what we need to do as a church today. And what remains true today, whether you feel like you are those whose heart is sick because of the possibility of the election results or because of the historic advances as a result of the election, what remains true are these things, that we are still as the church of Jesus Christ, those who worship Almighty God as King by the authority of His written word. We are still those who are charged to live by the fruit of the Holy Spirit every day in every way with every interaction. And we are still those who are committed to bearing fruit and keeping with repentance when we miss the mark. We are still those who fight for biblical justice. We are still those who live at the feet of the cross of Jesus, forgiving others who sin against us as we have been forgiven our sins. We are still to be a people who fight as one man, church of Jesus, regardless of your varying opinions coming out of this election season. We're to still fight as one man for the faith of the gospel. We are still those who are peacemakers to see people reconciled with both God and one another through Jesus Christ. And we are still those who are to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey 
everything that Jesus has commanded us, these things do not change, despite what God's appointments in the public sphere, his sovereignty in the public sphere reveals. This is what we see in the book of Daniel. But we didn't only see it in the book of Daniel, we also saw it in the New Testament. Whenever the Apostle Paul was writing, and he was writing uh, under the rule of the Roman Empire, who was notorious not only for rejecting the gospel of God, but actually persecuting Christians who stood on the truth of God's sovereignty, not only in their private lives, but also in the public sphere. The Roman Empire persecuted Christians. Now, Paul, in the midst of this, was writing to the people saying, hey, listen, be a blessing. I'm summarizing, but he's saying, be a blessing to the communities in which you live. Go, fight for their benefit, right? He said, be in submission. Romans 13, be in submission to the rulers and the authorities that are there. This is what both Paul said in Romans 13 and um, uh, Peter said in his epistle to the church. But at the same time, proclaim the truth to them. Just like Daniel proclaimed the wisdom, the knowledge, and the truth of God to Nebuchadnezzar and the pagan kingdom and in which he lived, he says, regardless of who God appoints by his authority, be ready to serve them for their good. Jeremiah said the same thing, prophesying in Jeremiah 29 to the Israelites in their deportation in Babylon, he was prophesying, seek the welfare of the city because in its prosperity, you too will prosper. That is what we're to do when God expresses his sovereignty in the public sphere. But very specifically, just as we have sound theology that God is uh, the tr the, uh, in the truth that God's sovereign in the public sphere, just as we have a sound response in learning that our trust needs to ultimately be in God, the one who appoints rather than those appointed. In the same way, we're to serve those whom God sovereignly appoints by doing this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says very clearly, starting in verse 1, first of all then, I urge that supplications prayers, intercession, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And he does mean all people. He doesn't mean just people you like. He means people you don't like. He doesn't mean people who you agree with. He means people who disagree with you. God is saying supplications, prayers for everyone need to be made. And our sound responsibility is this as Christians, that we need to participate in God's public sovereignty first through prayer. We need to participate in God's public sovereignty first through prayer. Because he's saying pray for everyone, for all people. For how about this? Kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. And so many of us have thrown off our dignity in the midst of the election season, but through repentance and faith, we can re recapture it. He said, this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, the truth that he is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And so you see 
this is our sound responsibility, that in the midst of embracing the truth that God is sovereign in public affairs, in understanding that our hearts are going to be tested by that sovereignty, we need to have a sound response of trust, starting in prayer and ending in testimony. Testimony that the God of heaven and earth, the one true God, has come to reconcile all of humanity to himself through the sinless life of Jesus Christ, who lived the life that you and I should have lived. And on the cross died the sacrificial death that you and I should have died. You see, this election season has not brought out necessarily the best of humanity. It's brought out some of the worst of us. I think we can all admit that, right? In the way that people have treated one another, the way people have spoken to one another, the way that people have tried to cancel one another, the way that people have tried to degrade one another and mark each other. This is what has been brought out of the human heart faction, division, all types of hatred and discord. And these are the very things that Jesus Christ said, I came to die for. I showed you, he said, I was, I'm God by opening blind eyes, opening deaf ears and raising people from the dead. But he also showed he was God by driving demons out of people, setting people free from the tormentors of their minds and their souls, the things that kept them bound in sin internally in their hearts. That's why for all of the external utopic efforts that people try to make generation after generation, Jesus said that the kingdom of God won't come with your careful observation. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within you. And the work that Jesus wanted to do was first an internal work in our hearts to set us free from the slavery to sin that was ruining our society in the first place. Jesus said, this is why ultimately I'm the sovereign, I'm the ruler, I'm the judge who comes to benevolently rule. Jesus says he sets us free from ourselves when we've been set at opposition, not only towards one another, but towards God, who will ultimately, as a sovereign ruler, judge us. Judge all of our actions, all of our interactions, all of our words, all of our deeds, and he says that anyone who stands in opposition to him, he will have to, in his justice, send to hell. But he doesn't want to do that, and that's why he sent his sinless, perfect son, Jesus. And on the cross, he took not only the rebellion and the shame and the punishment for it that we all deserve, but then he said, I'm going to die. And then because of my innocence, he said, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. This was all part of his ministry, predicting this over and over again. And by his resurrection from the dead, he says, I'm giving everyone a second chance. Everyone the opportunity for new life in him to be not only forgiven, but washed clean of their sin and to have a new heart and a heart that was previously a heart of stone turned into a heart of flesh. And that when we recognize his sovereignty, the proclaiming him as Lord, he says, I'll make you a new creation and give you the ability, regardless of where you find yourself in the sovereignty of God, in the public sphere, the ability to, like Daniel, serve your city, serve your nation, serve your community, and actually be a blessing rather than a curse to it. 
and actually be one who actually speaks the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding of God, not only to your neighbors, but to those who are in authority, actually helping them to also come to a knowledge of the truth. Why? Because according to Paul, God said he wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. All women to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth and to live out of that salvation that he provided for us. So regardless of where we find ourselves on the heels of this election season, the good news is that Jesus has come and he continually works to save. And he does it by expressing his sovereignty in the public sphere. That's the truth we need to embrace. He tests our hearts by the expression of that sovereignty, showing us where our hopes actually lie. And then calls us, calls us, calls us to a sound responsibility of developing our trust in him through both prayer and testimony of that truth that he wants to reconcile humanity into himself, even as he expresses his sovereignty in the public spheres in which we find ourselves. So can we embrace that truth today? And can we respond to God in kind? I want to end by in prayer by giving everyone an opportunity to really give our get our hearts right with God. And I want to start by talking to maybe those who say, you know what, in the midst of this election season, not only have I seen wickedness come out of other people, I've been surprised at the wickedness that's come out of my heart. And I know that if I were to stand before God today, I would not stand before him as a friend, but as a foe. He would have to judge me for my wrongdoing and sin, and I'd be deserving of it. But you know what? I don't want the hell that I'm destined for, but I want to receive what Jesus did for me on the cross. And if that's you, would you start by praying this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've been a sinner. And regardless of all the wickedness that I've seen around me and the in the people that I've been pointing my fingers at, I know that wickedness has lived in me and sin has come out of my heart. And I know that because of my sin before you, sovereign God, I deserve death and hell. But I don't want it. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I believe that Jesus lived the perfect life that I should have lived. And on the cross died the sacrificial death that I should have died. And three days later, because he was innocent, you raised him from the dead so I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in you. God, would you forgive me today of my sins? And would you make me a new creation from the inside out in you? I say Jesus is my Lord today. And I'm asking you to show me how to serve you and love you as my sovereign Lord from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is that if you prayed that prayer, God said that he's made you a new creation. He's changed the times and the seasons of your life. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in God, the living God, the sovereign God with a community of faith also submitted to as well. And for the rest of us who've already prayed that prayer, can we together end by praying this prayer where we're saying, God, help us to trust in the sovereignty that we know is true about you in our public sphere. And even next week, as we talk about our private lives, help us to do that today. Would you pray that last prayer with me if this is you? Father, we thank you so much that God, even in the midst of our tumultuous times, that God, you have remained and will forever remain on your throne. 
God, we pray that in sound theology, we might embrace the truth of your word expressed both in Daniel and Timothy today, that God, you are the one, not only who changes times and seasons, appoints and removes men and women from their thrones, but God, you are the one who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God, may you make us like Daniel today. Would you make me like Daniel today, helping to express your wisdom, your knowledge, and your understanding? Would you help make us like Paul today, giving testimony to the one true God and the mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ? Would you help us to live in boldness, love, and to really serve our communities, no matter what comes of the election that we just had? God, we thank you and we celebrate all that you are and all that you do in your mighty name. Amen. We want you to continue these discussions throughout this week as you get involved in our community groups, both virtually and in person. If you've not been able to find one yet, please do check out our website as to the different in-person and virtual options. Again, we'll be praying for you this week, but please do bring a friend next week who also needs to hear this good news of Jesus Christ. In the meantime, share this link so the people can be encouraged by the word of God. And until then, we'll be praying for you. God bless you and have a wonderful week in the Lord. See you next week.